Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I want to welcome everyone. If you are new, we are so glad that you found this podcast, and we hope that you go through and just listen to some of the archives. And if you have been joining us for a while, welcome back. So today's podcast is about pornography. It's about this topic that we kind of hate to talk about, but we have to talk about. And when I was thinking about it just now, I was just trying to get sort of a big picture of the questions that I get asked all the time. And of course, people want tips and they want to know, what are your biggest tips? Because I think parents think that there's just some magical thing that we can do to eliminate all this toxic pornography. (laughs) Of course, it's all toxic um, from our kids' lives. And, And when I answer this question, I think that the the biggest tip, honestly, well, I think there's two, okay, and, they, and they're both kind of equal. So the first most obvious is to simply remove access to screens that have pornography on them. And I know this sounds really simple and really basic, but I am amazed at how many parents, including myself back in the day when I did not have this figured out, just never think about that, you know, just, Hey, just removing access. That's huge. We know that kids that have smartphones view pornography a hundred percent more, right? Definitely. You're going to see questionable content on a phone. If you have it, even if you have, um, parental controls and you have all the blocks and you have all this stuff going on, it is just going to happen because that's how porn finds our kids. And it's just going to happen. It doesn't matter. I think it's just a real myth to think that we can put parental controls on. It's all going to solve our our problem. It's not. The second thing that I think is such a big tip over the years that I have found is keeping your kids busy and structuring their time. And I don't mean to be sounding like I'm supporting an over-controlling parent idea or a helicopter parent. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about simply structuring your kids' time so they don't have tons of downtime on their screen. And what that means is introducing hobbies and activities, sports and music and all those things that really contribute to filling our kids' time with meaningful, purposeful work, I think I'll call it work. Um, We don't want to tell them it's work, but we just have to help them because they can't help themselves from sitting on the sofa and grabbing your phone and scrolling. And then all of a sudden they enter a world they shouldn't be entering. So I know those things are just really basic, but removing and just reducing that access and then just keeping them busy and being proactive and just relax a little bit about it. If they don't have access it's going to reduce the use, right? (laughs) So much more. So today I just want to jump in here and introduce Marilyn Evans. She is the director of Parents Aware, which is a wonderful group out there helping so many parents get educated on this topic. And boy, do we need education. Welcome, Marilyn. Hi, Melanie. Thank you for welcoming me here. And I love listening to your intro and every episode that you do. You're just so thorough. And I can't wait to talk about some of those points that you've brought up. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, sometime we just need some help stepping back and uh, looking at the big picture. And I feel like, 
And I'm sure you do too, as you work with parents over time, I have learned so many things the hard way. Mm. And I just really want to help people avoid those pitfalls and those big, huge holes in the road that you're going to bump over. And it's sort of like taking a detour. And I know that's where your heart is too. So tell us, how did you get so interested? I mean, I'm sure you didn't just grow up as a young mom (laughs) saying, oh, one day I want to go teach parents about pornography. What, how did, how did this all happen for you? Well, that's not at all. You're right. I, I too learned things the hard way. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I actually had a mother who was actively working to reduce the harms of pornography. I grew up in that kind of a home. Mm. But it was a different era and a different way of connecting with kids. And when I had my own kids, we still had to learn how to have this conversation. And when you introduced the show, you said it's the thing that we hate talking about. Mm -hmm. And that is really what I want to do is to make this topic approachable because we have to make it approachable. Our kids are growing up in a time when internet pornography is accessible in so many ways. And you touched upon them But this is not the pornography of our youth. This is not the pornography that my mother was fighting. This is a whole different story. And our kids need to be equipped. They need the information to tackle that. Talk about that just for a minute. I I this whole thing about it's so different. It is very violent now. So gone are the days where there was the Playboy magazine up in somebody's, you know, treehouse or something. I mean, those were the conversations I guess our parents didn't have with us, you know, back then. <laughs> but those days are gone. I mean, there's nothing really even close to that today. And so we can say it's pornography as it is, but it's also just in the category of being very violent, violent content. You know, we are in our book of the month this month, Assassination Generation with Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. And he talks a lot about the effects of violence on a kid's brain. So can you speak to that, how it is different today? And what does that do differently to kids? Yeah, I actually listened to your your interview with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, and he pointed out that media that we're consuming impacts how we behave and pornography is no different for sure. And Mm. our kids, when they see it at an early age, they may not understand what, what it is that they're seeing, but they're, they are being influenced by it. And you're right. I don't ever go deep into, uh, you know, the titles that they're going to see and graphic detail, but this is violent. It's uh, changing the way our kids think about sex. I won't even say it's changing the way, it's shaping the way mm-hmm. they think about sex. Because if this is the first information that they're getting, this is what shapes their attitudes. So boys as young as 12, 13 year olds are looking to porn for information on how to behave in a sexual relationship. And girls are looking to porn to see what expectations Uh, there are of them in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. This is where they're getting their information. And it's, as I said, it's violent, it's degrading, it's horrific. You know, as you study it, it does make the stomach turn. You know, you really do feel violently ill when you realize what 
is out there. So you just said something, you just said, um, I just want to follow here real quick. You said Mm -hmm. boys around like you just threw out 14 years old. I think that's really interesting. And I want to talk about that for a second. I had a mom call me who said that she was so proud of her son. He was nine years old. He was playing a video game. I didn't say anything and I'm listening to her. And she said, I'm just so proud of him. He's so mature, you know, cause we've had the porn talk with him and he saw a photo that one of the other players had posted of the, this other person he was playing with, I think was, you know, 18. And of course that's already a big problem. You got an eight or nine year old playing with an 18 year old. That's a big problem. But this other child had put a picture of his topless girlfriend in the chat room somehow and put these pictures up there. And she said, I'm so proud of my nine-year-old because he knew enough to tell that boy to take that down. And she was just sort of checking the box, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, we've done it. He passed the test and we're done. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, first of all, a nine-year-old doesn't see that the same way a 14-year-old sees it. And to a nine-year-old, not that nine-year-olds should look at porn, it affects them differently because they haven't hit puberty. Do you agree with that? Well, you know, I interviewed a few individuals who struggled with pornography, and they'll often tell me that they saw it at an early age and didn't think much of it then. Mm. But those images, those ideas, they stayed with them. Right. And then when they got not so much into sexual curiosity, but when life started to get a little harder and they were looking for ways to cope with negative emotions, mm-hmm. the brain mm. certainly remembered that that made them feel really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's definitely when they hit puberty takes on a whole nother realm, I think in their brain and in their, their, their maturity level is a little bit different than it is, you know, when they're nine. Absolutely. Going through that early adolescence or sorry, the early teen years as well. Mm -hmm. There's so much coming at our kids and these messages about sex and relationships are so warped and confusing they need some real good information. And I I truly believe that parents are the best people to give them that information, but we aren't doing a great job right now. We have to get educated ourselves and we have to learn to have a conversation that our our parents never had with us. Mm -hmm. And it's not as awkward. What I really want to stress is that is not as awkward as we might think that our if our kids are getting this information on the playground, on in the video games, you know, at their friends' houses, in our own homes, they're waiting for us to have this conversation. We have safety conversations with our kids about so many things. Mm-hmm. We need to have this conversation with our kids. And and when I learned to do that as a parent, because I, I really was terrible at it to begin with. Yeah. In fact, I asked one of my older kids as I was really diving in and studying this and and waking up to the reality that I wasn't having great conversations with them about sex and intimacy to rate me a scale of one to 10. And I was, he, he gave me a three. And I thought at that time that was pretty generous because I was afraid of this conversation. I think that's kind of a cool idea. I hadn't really thought about that, but 
I would never want to ask my kids to rate me, you know, like one to 10 about my dinners or anything like that, but, <laughs> but maybe about this conversation, that's very brave of you. <laughs> yeah. They're not allowed to criticize dinners for sure. <laughs> I mean, I knew what I was, yeah. I was setting myself up for this. Uh, it's, you know, you have to, you have to put on a thick skin if right. you know what the answer is going to be. But I, I wanted to know from their perspective what that was. And so I changed. I, I became a different kind of parent. It wasn't easy. It didn't happen overnight. But I started to realize that, wow, the more I talked to my kids about these things, the closer we got, to, our relationship got better. So what do you think the biggest blind spot is for parents? Because, you know, we all have blind spots. You obviously have looked around yours. I've been trying to look around mine for years. It's very hard to do. Do they, they really think that their kids are, are not, they're going to be the one in the 10 million that aren't interested in this? Is that a blind spot? I think we all do that. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for us to see our kids as something other than our little kids. Mm -hmm. And I did that. So I'd say there's a few blind spots. One is that my child is not the one that's curious about these things. Mm -hmm. but the truth is we're, we're wired. I know you talk about how our brain is wired, how our body's wired. We're, we're biologically wired to be interested in sex. And I challenge any parent to think about what they were like when they were growing up. Did they want to know where babies came from? Did they want to know how mom and dad had sex? Or mm -hmm. you just are curious about these things. And we didn't have the barrage of information coming at us. So add in all the digital media we have today. And kids are not only curious, but they have access to a ton of misinformation. Well, and that's why we got to guard their access. It really is that simple. I'm not trying to make it sound too simple, but sometimes best, the very best solutions are the most simple solutions. Mm -hmm. and, and yet we miss them. And we get caught in this tidal wave or this current of thinking we have to go with this flow and we have to do all this. And sometime we need to step back and just say, what part of this can I eliminate? What can I control? And you've mentioned limiting access to screens. And, and I want to add, we can control the conversations that we're having with our kids. And the other hurdle, the other blind spot that we have is we think that talking about sex and pornography makes our kids more curious to look at pornography. But the truth of it is, it's that the availability of pornography is what entices kids to look yeah. at pornography. So with, with these blind spots, I think that, gosh, it's so hard. Okay. It's just, I'm just saying everybody out there listening, listen, this is just like the hardest thing that you can do as a parent to try to have these really hard conversations I don't know why we get so nervous about this. I, I think, you know, one thing I know for, for sure happens is we just don't schedule it, right? You, you just have to make a time to have the conversation. Although I will say it does work better. I think in the nooks and crannies, I, I will tell this story of my kids who they were at the um, drugstore and we all got in the car, you know, we were, we were at that cash register with all those magazines and it, there was just a cosmopolitan, I think magazine. And my kids got in the car and they were really young. And one of them just said, Hey mom, what is an orgasm? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh my goodness. So I had, I'm in the parking lot, you know, having to try to have this conversation and it's wasn't planned right then. Um, I, I didn't wake up that day thinking we were going to have this conversation, but 
I also didn't say, I can't talk about that right now. And let's go ask your dad. <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes as parents, we have to grab those opportunities. And they had seen the title of an article on this magazine. And thank goodness they thought to even ask me, you know, I don't think I really went into the whole description of all of the details, but it opened the conversation and we started talking and we had actually a really good talk right then in that moment. I I guess sometimes we don't schedule the conversations, but then sometimes we can't schedule the conversation. Absolutely. I, I love that story for so many reasons. First of all, it shows how uninhibited our kids are. They're willing to ask. I had a similar experience. I was walking through the mall at Christmas and it was so loud. And I don't know how old my child was, probably eight, and said, what's a virgin? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, we've got Christmas coming. We've got we've got Mary the virgin, but we've also got, yeah, got a lot of things virgin to- mobile sitting in front of me. You know, what what is it that you're, why is it that you're asking? And we had this conversation in the midst of this incredibly loud public mall. Yes. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you for doing that. And I'll honestly say that <laughs> that uh, I did not love that conversation at that moment, but I did figure out how to answer it. And as you did too. And so that's a really good tip to just grab the moments and the nooks and crannies of your, your day. And one thing I will of course remind everyone that if we are always so immersed in our screens, on our technology, on our phones and all this, you know, we're going to miss these opportunities mm-hmm. right between that pick up and driving them home, that time was just the most perfect time because they would just dump all of this stuff from the day, you know, all the stuff that's floating on the top of their head. Oh, what they did at recess, what they heard this, what, what somebody said. And, and I have some really funny stories about all these things that I would become the mom that would answer the hard questions and they would even bring their friends and say, well, you know, my mom is a nurse and she can tell you what this and this is. It was just really funny, but it started with being available during those conversations on the way home from school. I wouldn't trade that for anything looking back. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, you don't have to do this perfectly. I have made tons of mistakes and there have been times where I know I've missed those teachable moments and I could see, mm. you know, that we've, we passed a billboard walking downtown and, and I could see the eyes of my child and the wheels turning and the questions. And I didn't know how to answer it in that moment. Mm. It's okay to go back to it. It's okay to say, look, I think this is bugging you. Can we talk about this? Or I've also have, you know, I have five kids and they're all different. And I have one that never asked me one single question. (laughs) So I thought, now, how am I going to bring this up? And so I had to do that scheduled time. Uh So I think everything works. I don't think we have to say it has to be this way or that way. It has to be right or just start talking, make mistakes and let your kids know that you're nervous. It's okay to be nervous. Showing them some of your vulnerabilities actually goes a long way to making the conversation go a little easier. So you so you can schedule the time, you can look for the time in the nooks and crannies of, you know, the funny billboards and the ridiculous magazines that are at the the grocery store. And yeah. and then the other thing that you said is not, you know, don't shy away from the teachable moment. Embrace it, mm-hmm. look at it as a gift and just go for it. I would love for you to share with our audience if you could just four or five, you know, really important tips 
for maybe parents that are listening who have kids who have not hit puberty yet, or even if they, they have, what are some of your tips to help us? Maybe just do some tips for the younger kids and then we'll do some tips for some older kids. Sure. So with younger kids, always start with body safety. You know, everybody at every age, actually that works from kindergarten on through college. Like let's talk about how important our bodies are, that they are ours, that we get to give consent. You know, pornography doesn't care about consent. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's, whenever you're talking about things like that, you can always move the conversation around to pornography. Whenever you're getting a new phone or sorry, a new device in the house, let's talk about some screen safety. What, how are we going to address this? Um, So that might be a teenager at that point. Now you're going to be exposed to pornography. I'm going through these kind of fast. No, go ahead. Yeah, you're um, good. Use books. Like I was terrible at that as a parent. Like I felt like I had to do everything myself. There are great books about, you know, where babies come from, what makes you unique, uh, puberty books, all of these, everything that you can, you know, you don't have to talk about pornography directly to protect kids from the harms of pornography. But as we talk about relationships uh, and how people should treat you, oh, by the way, People in pornography don't treat other people the way you should be treated in a real relationship. Mm -hmm. That's another way to bring it in. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a course that is designed to help parents walk through the step-by-step details of of how to have their first conversation with their kids about pornography. And there is no script in that particular course because I don't know what age that parent is coming Uh, to that course with, but it's designed to get them thinking and, and writing down their own thoughts and ideas. One other thing that I really emphasize is don't shy away from your own values. You know, your family is not the same as my family. You have things that are important to you that are really critical. What are your priorities? You mentioned keeping kids busy. Mm-hmm. So keep kids busy. Are these our values? Are these our priorities? What do we like to do outside of screens? How can we make that a priority? And how then can we protect ourselves when we are on the screens? What do we need to look for? What do we need to avoid? Oh, we need to avoid pornography. I mean, what a great point about the values, because I always say values are not genetic, And, and of course, what I mean is that we think that our kids are born into our family. They just have our values, right? No, they do not. They are not genetic. You have to teach them constantly all the way through their childhood. And this whole topic of pornography certainly centers around values. I mean, there's no question that it's, you can't really talk about one without the other. And I think it's very confusing for kids when we try to do that when we try to separate them out. I'm very big on that. And I also think that another part of the conversation around pornography is I think that we are scared of that. So what are what are your tips around being bold, right? We have to be bold when we have these conversations and we have to not we have to not shy away for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> I think you, you have to dive in, but if we go back to the values a little bit, I think one way to be bold without 
uh, intimidating yourself is to bring your child into the conversation by asking them a lot of questions. You know, this isn't necessarily a parent-led conversation. You can bring it, raise an open-ended question, for example, what is unique about our family and get your child to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is pornography and and find out what they know. And our definition and their definition are not necessarily going to be the same. And they're not going to be the same at every age. So be bold, don't shy away from it. Because as I, I've said already, this information is coming at them through all sorts of different media sources, television, billboards, magazines, and all the digital media. So if we're not going to be bold about it, they're getting the information elsewhere. So take your values and help them and be intentional about bringing them up because we all have these values, but I didn't grow up talking about what was unique about our family and how media, how we need to be critical about the media that we consume. Mm -hmm. It's just expected that I knew. And I don't think we can just expect our kids to sort through that. And I think just getting started is usually the biggest hurdle, you know. Absolutely. Everything. Everything I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Getting started, that's the hardest part. (laughs) Well, we really appreciate, oh my goodness, all, all your tips even today. And I think more than anything, just the encouragement to have a conversation with your kids. Don't, don't force it into something that's so awkward that nobody's hearing what the other person is saying. Look for the nooks and crannies in the day when you can bring it up. And, you know, I also believe we don't have to talk about it all the time, you know, cause I certainly don't want my kids to always be, Oh, here she comes again. You know, we have to talk about this all the time, but you have to do it enough to know that they, they would give you uh, 10 on that scale, on that test from one to 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's a really good tip. Go to your older kids and say, you know, how, how good have I done? Have I answered your questions on a scale from one to 10? I think that's a really good tip to mm-hmm. say, you know, kind of get some evaluation from your kids. Now I'm not really big on, you know, getting my kids to rate me on things that I do because they're the kids and I'm the parent and, um, and we don't let them vote yet, at least till they're 18 on things. <laughs> so, but I do think yeah. that it's really good to get really honest feedback from them and ask them if they have any questions and then be really quiet and let them talk and then listen and just be more attached really to your kids. And, you know, you hear me say this all the time that I think the screen problems in our culture today all center around a detachment problem that we're having with our whole culture, with our kids, they're detaching too early from their families. And this is one area that really causes a lot of division in a family. When a child is exposed to pornography, the parents get really upset. The kid feels guilty. There's just a big division. A lot of heartbreak. A lot of heartbreak. And, and I think that the more we can do to engage our kids, to, play with our younger kids, of course, and really structure our day, structure their day a little bit better. And then, you know, I go right back to this access and we're really big on hitting that pause button and delaying the smartphones and the video games. Evidently, there's so much exposure to mm-hmm. adult content in video game play. It's crazy. And, you know, the other thing that, um, that you know, Marilyn, I know that you know about too, is even in games like Minecraft, there can be lots of porn exposure in 
the YouTube channels and the YouTube videos and the different content that's out there, even on simple games that you think would never have any content, you know, questionable content in it. If your kid plays Minecraft, for example, they are probably searching for Minecraft videos on YouTube. And if they type in sex in Minecraft, they're going to get a whole eyeful of, I think mm-hmm. last check was like 30,000 videos that are very sexual in nature. And this is in Minecraft. Absolutely. It's everywhere. There's no platform that is free of it. That's right. Um, That's right. It can find our kids. It targets our kids through any possible means. It's it's insidious. Well, and so that's why your recommendations to be sure and have these conversations are really important. And I think that the conversations along with reducing the access is a wonderful solution. Mm-hmm. I, I think that those two things go really well together. Thank you so much for all your tips today. These, these have just been really valuable. And just here before we close, any words of encouragement to parents out there that are trying to get through this part of our wonderful culture. It can be done. It really can. And if kids have been exposed, that's it's not the end of the story. This is something that they they need us more than ever to be their ally, their support, uh, give an outpouring of love and encouragement. We can see this through. And I truly believe that we are raising a generation that's going to be better equipped to deal with this. And we're going to see some changes in the digital space as well. So hang on and we can do this together. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, um, and for sharing all your wonderful information on your website, parentsaware.info for more information on anything that Marilyn has talked about today, please visit over there. Marilyn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends. And this fall, we are releasing our Kids Brains and Screens course. This is an expert-led, parent-centered online course that includes assessments, practical tips, online support, screen solutions that really work. This is pretty much taking all of the workshops that we've done in the number of years that we've been doing workshops and we were putting it all under one roof. So I'm so excited. So look out for that in the fall and head over to our website to donate and learn more about our free screen strong challenge. This is our seven day detox to help you get your kids off their toxic screens. We still have our regular challenge um, that includes the eBooks, but this one, we have a free version for you to get started. And of course we believe you should detox more than seven days, but this is just enough to get you started. Make sure you join our screen strong families, Facebook group too, where you will find lots of support from other parents, just like you. Remember we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.